Hey everybody, this is Billy West, and um, the things I do today, all these voices and everything else, movies, television, radio, oh man, you name it, I've done it. And I worked with a bunch of big dumb disc jockeys, and they used to have voices like Zap Brannigan, and they say, 20 minutes past 7.30, yeah, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night Dick. You're home for this sort of thing. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye bye Saturday night. Good evening, generic convention attendees, and welcome to Talkcast 248. At this time, we're all tired, achy, and weary from seeing way too much cosplay, buying way too much hard work and doodads, deep in Area 51 on the sub-level 14. Sarah Lee, Zero-G, Breakoff, and Cryogenic Stasis Recovery Center. I'm the man with the icing fluid in my arteries and something crawling around inside my head that just won't stop buzzing, known as the dome. Joining the talk cast tonight, the usual suspects in the revered time vortex, our violent soundboard vixen, Contessa of Sparkly Stuff, Vice Princess of Rhetoric, our own girl genius, Brianna. Hello, nurse. <laughs> Yeah, it's been the week for voice artists, hasn't it? From the stacks of her personal calm space in the dank dungeons, only indoor zen and vegetable garden, which doubles as the robot reading room, Zombrarian. So it's a really good thing we don't do a video podcast ever, because Mm -hmm. little known fact, whenever the theme music plays, I act out all of the little snippets (laughs) of voices. Funny story, one night the dead redhead uh, sat in Area 51 with me during the show, and she actually talked back to it, which was even funnier. Uh, (laughs) From a galaxy far, far away, our newest host still in Saran Wrap, Sir Sarah Lady Knight. I have no idea what that means. Hi, Sarah. Hi. I don't know what that means either. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be. Did you mean mint in the box? Mint in the box. Nib. Absolutely. Nib, if you will. (laughs) Good. Our guest tonight, who will be joining us in and out throughout the show, is a brand new writer. You may not have actually ever heard of him, uh, but in case you have, he's been writing science fiction for more than 30 years in that time, published more than 45 novels, over 100 short stories, and four collections, and the Mara Jade graphic novels, which Kriana cherishes to this day. Author Timothy Zombi, are honored to have you with us tonight. Hello, nice to be here. Yes, it's nice to be one of those 20-year overnight successes. (laughs) Yeah, congratulations on everybody just figuring out who you are, except that never happened. Uh, But but 20 years kind of is overnight for authors, I feel like. Okay, I'll give you that. At least you're still alive. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my best on that yeah, one. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's like the famous painters who were never recognized until after they were dead and couldn't, you know, enjoy it. Yes, I, I've been much more fortunate than Van Gogh and people like that, yes. <laughs> I still have all your yeah. ears intact, you know. Absolutely. It's the little things. I have not shown up in a Doctor Who episode, though. I think that's a good thing. That's a great thing so far. Can you write a Doctor Who episode? Can we just, like, kick Neil Gaiman out of here? And can you write a Doctor Who episode, please? I'm ready, willing, and able as soon as uh, BBC contacts me. All right, well, let's get Russell on the phone. Can we get Russell? No? Okay, whoever's in charge right now. You know, Grand Poobah yeah, of the BBC. Okay, we'll get on yeah. that. 
it is something. So we have a lot to talk about. London, of course. Say that again. All the better. Sorry, what? Just wake them up and we'll be fine. I think we still have lag going on. I believe Tim said it's 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Well, this is important. So, we have a lot to talk about tonight. I know that. But right now, the news. Much better. <laughs> Last week, we spent two days in, in, in con heaven at GraniteCon in Manchester, New Hampshire, meeting uh, many of our friends there, many artists and, and, and uh, actors that we hadn't seen in a while. Got to talk with a lot of people who listened to the show and, and had a great time. So what, what, what was your impression of GraniteCon? What stood out in your mind? Who are you talking to? Any of you at this point. Well, only Tom Brian and I yeah. were there. So, um, let's see. Actually, what was... he's talking to Chris. I'm not really here right now. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, if you would like to get Chris's uh, uh, impressions of, of Granite Con, we'll, we'll actually have his video interview up shortly. So, there's, well, there's that. We have his impressions. They are recorded for posterity. But my impressions were, it was very cool, but odd. It seemed to have the oddest mix of vendors that I have seen in a long time. Like, people who really weren't sure what the demographic was that was going to be there. And I don't think it was the normal Comic Con crowd. I really don't. Um, but there was there was, there was like a lot of cosplay there, but there were also a lot of just generic people there, which is not a bad thing. Okay. So, like, what were the booths that you thought were like an, an odd choice? Well, there there was one booth. That was complete a quick JavaScript exercise for a chance to win a helicopter tour of Boston. They were hiring programmers. Oh. Now, I don't think GraniteCon is the best place to attempt to hire programmers. I would go to <laughs> PAX or, or a gaming convention if I wanted to hire programmers. Um, or, but but GraniteCon has always been more of a, a family-oriented event. There's a lot of parents and kids. Not that parents and kids can't be programmers, but more little kids, so they probably aren't. I have a very important question about that. Yes. If you win the helicopter ride, can I go? Well, I did not complete a JavaScript exercise. Oh. Okay. So Her chances of winning are very small. Yeah. There were also, and this struck me as very interesting, usually Granite Con is very, very comic and artist focus, yeah. but because of, I feel like it was because of the Game of Thrones focus that they had this year, there were a lot more uh, vendors that I would expect to see somewhere like a renaissance there. Uh, do you think the glass people fall into that category? No, actually, I think they fell into uh, more of a Comic-Con. I'm thinking more of the people who were selling the wooden weapon and the leather worker and the guy who had, like, those crystal wands. I missed and the, lady uh, who, and the lady who was walking around in the bear skin. Bikini? that was. Yeah. yeah. That was the oddest thing. That ever. was interesting. Actually, the most interesting booth I found was this guy. And I'm, I'm looking at his. He's, a, he's an artisan. He's a craftsman. And he had all these wonderful models of characters and and like angels and demons and they're all about 11 12 inches tall and i'm looking at them and and, and i realized that a la dj Sucklord, who took the star wars figures and and kind of repurposed them and made them his own 
This guy has done that with old broken GI Joes. And it was frankly quite amazing the, the kind of characters that he was making with them uh, and how good they looked and how amazing it was. And actually I've got a, a, a small video interview with him that we're going to have up uh, shortly in the next couple of weeks. And but, how impressed wow. were you, Dome? Pretty impressed, You were impressed frankly. enough to... Commission a piece from him, yes. Yes. <laughs> and and I absolutely did, and I got the first actual draw out of it uh, in the in the mail, in my email today, and it's, it's kind of went, wow. Wow, that's fast. Yeah, and I mean, and, and they were incredibly well-priced. Uh, they you know, things tend to be list price plus at conventions sometimes, but these were just amazingly well priced, and I was what very much impressed. I wish I could remember. I will have that information next week. Actually, I'll put it on Great. the website. Well, are you talking about the GI Joe people? Yes. Well, yeah. we we also did a lovely video interview with them as well, so that'll be up shortly. Right. Yeah. Right. Awesome. You will be able to find a G.I. Joe of your own. Find all the things that you wish to buy. Because, you know, I feel like there were a lot of wearables. There were at least three separate unique t-shirt booths. There were more than one or two places selling jewelry. There was that genius booth that brought the 3D printer and you picked what you wanted and they 3D printed it in front of you. That was awesome. And you could either yep. wait and watch the 3D printer run, which was drawing a huge crowd, or you could just come back later and pick it up. Also, our... our Didn't one of something our, like that at Boston Comic Con? Well, that was... This booth was there, too. One of our perennial favorites, the uh, 3D scanner, um, where, right. where you can get yourself scanned and printed... Which I did, and it was awesome. Sweet. And was, I think that we're setting up um, an interview with the 3D scanning guys because they have some new news since the last time they were on the show. Do they? They do. They really do. It's yes, fun and do. interesting, so I won't spoil it now. Fine. Well, but Dome and I were sitting at the table, and the 3D scanning guy comes up to say hi. And we were like, what are you guys doing now? He's like, oh, you know, not much that's interesting. And then we talked to him for 10 minutes about what he's doing now. Because that's really interesting. Because it was really interesting. <laughs> so, we, yeah, we're going to have them on in the coming weeks as well. So that's, uh, you know, two days. Uh, we've got some great interviews with the Game of Thrones cast. We've got uh, Sam J. Jones, who couldn't quite remember where he was. Uh, that was an interesting interview. We you know, have it's, the it's best interview guys... ever with the Game of Thrones cast. Yeah, we do. We do. It was kind of a pig pile Game of Thrones interview that got way out of hand, but was, is really fun to watch. Uh, and... A bunch of other people. We're gonna we're gonna have them up in the next couple of days, and and the coming weeks. And GraniteCon, I can't thank enough the people at Double Midnight Comics who put on GraniteCon, one of our perennial sponsors since the day we started this silliness. Who've been very very good to us, Chris and, and Scott, and Shadanda and Quincy and all the guys down there. Thank you all so much. We all have real names, but you know. Some of them do, some of them do Wait, don't. we might need a ruling on that. If we do, we can get uh, somebody to give us a ruling on that. I'm pretty sure Pat can do that for us. I'd like to reassure... I, I want to take uh, this moment for a PSA just for Brett. Dome is still alive. End. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> you should just call the shop once a week. Hi, Brett. I'm not dead yet. Thanks. Bye. I can do this. Yeah. If I miss the call by one day, they'll all panic. That's true. <laughs> he'll, he'll call you crying. We love Brett. We shouldn't tell that story on the air. Poor Brett. To we like it was very sweet of him to worry about Joe. We, we, 
It was. Well, Lord knows enough people worry about me as it is. <laughs> so in other news this week, let's move on quickly. Captain Citrus. Who's a what now? Who Captain Citrus is. The Kool-Aid Man's father? <clears throat> well, he was born in 2011 as a big, fat, talking orange wearing <clears throat> a green cape for the Florida Department of Citrus. <laughs> this year, he's evolved into a Marvel superhero. And in the graphic that you're going to see when you click on the link, He's fighting aside Captain America and Thor and Iron Man, and it just is weird. Because, you know, why not? And Black Widow, I am pleasantly surprised to see that she is in there, because usually graphics will include the main three and Hawkeye and leave her out. So I'm glad that I, I, you know, it'd be great if Hawkeye was there too. But I'm glad that for once she is there without needing Hawkeye also there. Nobody like nobody likes Hawkeye. But that's it. That's all I care about. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> no, nobody likes him. He... My, one of my really good friends really likes Hawkeye. Uh, uh, no. I feel like more people like Jeremy Renner than actually yeah. like Hawkeye. But maybe I'm wrong. Write in and tell me how wrong oh, I am. I've heard really good things about the comics. I... <laughs> I'll let you know when I read the comics. Fair enough. Sounds good. Uh, well, I'll have fun with that. <laughs> so, Action Labs, who's actually one of our favorite uh, comic purveyors, has a, a new title, and it's a really interesting title. It's done by Nick Mariano and uh, Daniel Massa. Uh, it's for mature readers only, and actually the covers are all censored because the title of it is Holy Fuck. I love it. And there's a whole religious background to it. Why is why is a nun barging into a seedy Tokyo karaoke bar in the middle of the night? Why not? I don't know. <laughs> well first of all they don't they don't really have karaoke bars in Tokyo. But, yeah, this is uh that that's kind of I have wrong. no idea Well according and Dome is so dropping the, and lagging. Here's the thing. I am I, not sure. I, I love Action Lab. I love the stuff that they do. Lovely. But he I says 10 seconds after. Doing this and it looks interesting. Well, am I the only one lagging at this point? Yes. I think so. So we're going to talk about some stuff and you just hold back for a bit. I'm going to click on this Patrick Stewart link because it looks interesting. And I always love Patrick Stewart. Oh, it's one of those tearjerker ones. All right, get ready. Get your tissues, people, because when this loads... Because it's dusty in here. You're going to need it. If this loads, you're going to need it. Eventually, you're going to need it. Someone else want to start something while we're waiting for yeah, this? Yeah, so while we're waiting for <laughs> Kriana, there are two stories here that are vaguely related, so I'm going to talk about them. Go for it. The first is that the first few minutes of the brand new Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is out. I haven't watched it yet, but apparently Lucy Lawless is in it, and since it's Lucy Lawless, she's amazing. Obviously. Yep. I don't have much else to say, but there's a link so you guys can go watch it yourself and see how amazing Lucy Lawless is. Excellent timing because now... No, wait, I have a related story. Though. Okay, sorry, go for it. Related story. So, speaking of Lucy Lawless, who plays Xena, and then speaking of other lesbian icons of the world, Alice and Bechtel... Um, I, I don't think they're necessarily lesbian icons. I feel like they're just feminist icons. Or that, but... They could be they, icons for also 
straight women. Well, yes, but... Also, Kate Mulgrew. Traditionally. Okay, fine. My God, jeez. Both is good. Both is good. So anyway, Alison Bechtel got a MacArthur Genius Grant, which is a huge deal, because if you don't know who Alison Bechtel is, she is a graphic novelist who writes autobiographical and memoir e well she writes her memoirs as graphic novels and they're amazing and she got a MacArthur Genius Grant she is one of six women in this round of Genius Grants to receive a Genius Grant so rock on women and people who get MacArthur Genius Grants Okay, make us cry about Patrick Stewart. I think I'm going to cry. This How many people minute. total get genius grants? I had the numbers and then my computer decided to beach ball and I don't have it right now. Ah, who got genius grants? Yeah, I, I will, I will add that information in the thing because Kriana's going to cry about Patrick Stewart. I am. And my computer's not working. <laughs> He's so sweet. Okay, so um, there is an 11-year-old girl named Dawn who has mitochondrial... <laughs> what? I haven't even gotten to the debilitating disease yet. So wait, a, wait one more second. She has mitochondrial disease now. You were, you were muted, Zombrarian. Oh, no! There you go. Okay. Wow. Um, anyway, she wanted to go to Dragon Con um, to see Star Trek The Next Generation panel. Who wouldn't? Um, and Patrick Stewart heard about this, or, or sorry, Make-A-Wish heard about this, and got Patrick Stewart FaceTime with this 11-year-old. Cue adorable pictures of them hugging and being adorable. And now they're best friends. Aww. Basically, yes. Basically, he brightened up the life of a terminally ill child. That's so sweet. How do you not love this man all the time? I don't know, because I do love him all the time. I know, right? To go back to your question, Sir Sarah, there are 21 uh, 2014 MacArthur Genius Grant Fellows, I believe, if I'm counting right. There are 2014 MacArthur Fellows. There are 21 of them. This is what I get when I try to do numbers. And it looks like nine of them are women. Okay, cool. Thank you. If I counted correctly, which you should never trust me to do. That's kind of a fantastic ratio. Yeah. It's pretty... It's very close to the actual ratio of the planet. So, (laughs) way to go. That's awesome. Okay. Not great. You know. Eh, I'll take it. <laughs> Speaking of things that I'll take, that was bad. Um, <laughs> uh, the Underworld yeah. reboot no longer but, reboot. Yeah, math. What? What is math? I don't know. I went to Emerson. I don't do math. I was an English yeah. major. I don't yeah. do math. I know plenty of women who do math, but I'm not one of them. So stuff. So stuff. So tell us about Underworld, Kriana. Well, I was trying to, um, because I, I think this, this image in this article is quite epic. There is a gentleman in the back doing a bona fide duck face. The rest <laughs> of them look fairly confused in the background there. But Underworld is no longer a reboot. It's a sequel with new characters. They're casting female characters. Same writer. You know, 
Fun times. Underworld is one of those rare ones where the sequels never get worse or better. They just are. They're awesome. Well, yeah, but like most franchises that have sequels, there are some that are really good and some that are really bad. Underworld has had a ton of sequels and all of them have been pretty much on par with the first one. I just find it interesting. Some of them have been better, I feel like. Well, fine. Than the first one. Than the first one? Not a ton better. Well, this is what I'm saying. You know, they're they're not like... They're very good at being what they are, which is entertaining. Yep. They're those movies. It used to be that the sequel... Yeah. Dome's trying to talk, and it's really not happening. <laughs> ah, well. Yeah, they do that really well. That's a good thing well. to be. They absolutely do. Well, I, I think it's safe to say that Skype hates us tonight, so let's move on to the second half of our yeah, show. Yeah, I think I'm lagging, too, so that might be part of it. Let's let's move on and talk to Tim before the connection degenerates completely. More. Hi, Tim. Tim? I think we may have lost Tim. No. Hello, I'm still here. Oh, oh. Yay! There you are. Uh -oh, did we lose him? We did not. I'm here. Okay. Can you hear me? Hello? I think he is lagging. I'm, he I'm hearing you. Am okay. I lagging? Yes, hello? Try to speak faster in that case. That's good. That's a good start. <laughs> All right. We've got, we've got Tim back. That's the important thing. All right. So, we're here tonight talking with legendary author Timothy Zahn. Usually Dome does this intro. He's more witty at it than I am. I think he pre-writes them. But legendary, awesome, crazy awesome. I keep not finding more modifiers for awesome. Author Timothy Zahn, who writes some of the best books ever, period. So there. You do, you do great introductions. Thank really. you. <laughs> Flattery, we'll get you everywhere. And we're here to talk about your new book, Soulminder. So, Soulminder, I, I have here, started as a series of connected stories in a magazine. Correct. So it how did it become a novel? Stories. Well, it was four stories that I wrote back in the 90s for Analog, uh, about a, a, the inventor of a machine that could capture a person's soul when he died, hold that soul in what they called a trap, until the body could be repaired from whatever was wrong with it or healed, and then the soul put back into the body. So I wrote four stories connected uh, following some of the consequences of this invention, some of the ways it was used for good or not so good. Uh, was thinking about it a few years ago, about uh, maybe bringing these stories back out because they were never reprinted anywhere. Uh, talked to Open Road about it, who had done some of my earlier novels uh, in ebook formats that were also out of print. And we decided that there wasn't enough there for a full novel's worth of, of uh, you know, words, story. But I already had two more in mind, and I had one extra that had never been published. It was kind of a bridge between the first two that we'd never actually published, but was kind of necessary to the background. And uh, when all things were put together, it came out to about 100,000 words. So it's effectively a novel, but instead of being chopped into chapters, it's chopped into larger story-sized chunks. Makes sense, makes sense. I, I think... think... story-cycler, used to anyway. I think the main theme that you're addressing here is something that, that not a lot of people think about. 
And it, it happens more than when people do think about this sort of thing, more, more than you would think, which is, you know, someone discovers something with the best of intentions, and then it gets used for something horrible. Well, that's part of the job I think we science fiction authors have, is to do what is known as consequence testing. Here is a discovery, here's an invention, here's a social change. What are the consequences, possible consequences of this in the society, both the good and the bad? Uh, and, and that's something I don't think, I think you're right, the politicians and lawmakers often are taken by surprise because they're not expecting some of the consequences that, that occur when anything is done. Well, not just them, but even even the inventors themselves. A lot of times, I feel like, especially oh, when sure. you yeah, definitely. definitely when you have someone single-mindedly developing something because of of and this is this feels like a very um, not not common story, but but a very common theme. You know, when there's a tragedy, it, it's very natural for people to obsess over whatever caused that tragedy and and you know that's how you get these you know funds in the name of people who've died of horrible diseases not that that's a bad thing but i think it's a very natural human tendency yes and then and then what happens when when this something horrible happens to someone brilliant and then they go all single-minded on it and then their resulting invention they they hadn't thought it all the way through Right, and and when you've got a, a focus as Dr. Summer does in the in Soulminder of helping people who could have been saved, you know, it, 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 instead of letting them die, this is what he's going to see it as. It's going to be other people that take take his invention then and drift it in other directions. And you don't even have to be obsessed to do that. I mean, look at something uh, oh, something simple like Facebook. It's a great way to socially interact with people, to stay connected, but it also allows cyberbullying, cyberstalking, and other things like that. The, the consequences... One of the things I tell people when I'm doing writing classes is when you think about your invention or whatever, think of how good people will use it and think how bad people will use it, because both will happen. Mm-hmm. You can't pretend that, that people aren't there thinking nefarious thoughts, because there certainly are. Yes. I mean, I tend to think, you know, the first people who worked on nuclear science did not conceive of the atomic bomb. Hopefully. The, the, certainly the theoretical physics of it, yes, they were. And, and then, what, the, the war forced the thinking into nuclear weapons rather than nuclear energy, um, and... That was how it was used. Nuclear energy came along. It's got some very good upsides. It's got a couple of downsides. But pretty much any invention, any any technology will have that as part of our job as writers to you know, explore some of those options and possibilities. And I think stories like that sort of force people to consider things like that that they wouldn't necessarily consider day to day. And that's, and that's what the goal is, to entertain, first of all, but also to get people thinking. You know, look at, start looking at things globally, I guess you'd say, with the, the, uh, the pluses, the minuses, the costs, the benefits. Uh, unfortunately, people who push their agenda tend to want you to focus on only one aspect, and we as you know, responsible uh, consumers, voters, uh, you know, everything else as responsible human beings need to make it our job to kind of look at all the sides of everything, all the possibilities, uh, and, and try to make informed choices and uh, uh, decisions. That being said, speaking of just informed choices and decisions, if you'll allow me to derail this ever so slightly, I think there's oh, a terrible penchant in the media at this point in time to present false controversies and that does more of a disservice to the public than the purported information sharing that they are presenting it as well it's the false controversies it's also hidden agendas 
and that's not nothing. That's nothing new in the media. You go back to you know, a, a century or two, and the media was blatantly uh, biased in one direction or another. But is the job of the media to skew things or to give you facts? And that's been some kind. You know, it's been a uh, uh, controversy discussion for as, probably as long as there's been media. As to the false uh, controversies and such. Well, there's, there's a consequence of when people buy the newspaper or click on the website, we make a little bit of money, so let's get people to do that, whether there's anything there besides just smoke in the first place. It's true. It's true. And w- what really kills me is, is um, when, when you have, you know, let's say 97%, I don't know where I'm taking that number from. Ninety-seven percent of the scientific com- consensus on on one side here, and and three percent on the other side, and yet they get equal weight. Usually, the side of rationality is represented by Bill Nye or Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. Yes, well, depending on what topic, sure, certainly. Yeah. yeah, but but also remember to look deeper. That, uh, for example, you could have a uh, you pick a scenario where let's say 90% of published papers are for one side or another. But if the people publishing the papers have a bias and are not letting through opposite of views, they, that will skew those results. I'm not saying either side is right or wrong. I'm simply saying there is another layer in there that we have to consider. Absolutely. And you know, the other thing that, that should be considered, and I don't think is talked about almost at all, is the absolute stigma against publishing negative results in this community, the scientific community. And, and the whole thing of don't, don't also forget that, uh, you know, follow the money is the traditional sort of thing. If your scientists are being paid by one side, they're likely to pull up results that favor that side. You just have to look back at the Tobacco Institute for that. Of course, absolutely. Everybody was saying saying smoking is bad for you, but these guys were coming up with, well, it's not that bad, or we're not finding anything bad at all. Well, they were being paid by one side. Exactly. Science, unfortunately, isn't unbiased anymore because science is being paid by somebody, and that's tangled up everything just as badly as uh, media looking for profit is is tangling up news. And there's nothing wrong with profit per se. You just have to be sure that what you're getting are unbiased facts or try to figure out what the unbiased facts are. Well, I, I would say people. there is something wrong with profit if people die as the result of it. Um, depends on... Yeah, I mean... You want to give me an example? Because people die all the time, and you can trace causes and effects. What, 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 are you thinking of anything specific? Well, you know, just, just say you've commissioned your drug study, and you've done a really horrible job designing it, and it says your drug is safe. And, you know, of, of course, drug studies are very limited in their scope. You can only have so many people participating. When you get, you know, hundreds, thousands, millions of people using a certain drug, you're going to have a lot of a wider variety of interactions and you may find out that in certain classes of people it's absolutely unsafe to yeah, the point where course. people die and that and that's fairly irresponsible negligent perhaps but maybe not malicious but if you know for some reason that your product could cause deaths and you do it anyway because you know people will buy it that's very wrong it, it makes it's also kind of stupid in this day of eventually the word will come out and there will be class action suits. Um, and, maybe. But, yeah, I mean, eventually, well, who knows? Yes, maybe you'll get away with it. Maybe you won't. The other side of that coin would be certainly if there's a, a, a defined class of people who will die, you want to you, you want to not market it to them. But if it's simply one hundred out of every. 50 million who use it are going to die, and there's no rhyme or reason. What do you do then? I mean, how much is a single life worth? And that's something we all have to decide. You know, actuarial tables and such are, are cold numbers, but that is, you know, just how you have, you, you, your society freezes up if 
only you know one person's death is not acceptable because people are going to die and how you make those decisions that becomes a lot of it is what scientific well not scientific but political uh, oh it's absolutely political i i mean in reality is it's never you know a hundred out of a you know a million people will die randomly there's always a reason and randomly just means we don't right, know what the right. reason is and, and do we bother to find right. out so the question is can you find out the human body is so complex if, as i say if there's a defined way of knowing okay this group of people are going to die from it yeah you want to make sure you don't market it to them the problem is that there are so many variables that it may be impossible to actually track down there may not be a single cause and that's true that's true and even if there is a single cause it may be you know sort of like a drug interaction that um you know produces a certain chemical that when you get too much of it or or sensitivity you know grapefruit juice can change the sensitivity of your body to certain drugs they didn't know that 10 years ago yeah and and, and as i'm saying people have to do their best but there, there's no way to be 100% safe in anything, and that's that's tragic, but that's how it is. I mean, before modern chemicals and such, you had smallpox. So, <laughs> yes, uh, you, you did. Know, life has life has always been always been tricky to to hang on to in this planet, and the idea that we can all live forever if we just are careful enough. It just isn't going to work. Now, unless you have Soulminder to bring you back. That's true, exactly. If you have Soulminder, who knows what the possibilities are? True enough. So when is this coming out? Uh, I believe it comes out Tuesday the 23rd, which would be a week from now as we speak. Or no, a week from yesterday as we speak. And and where Uh, can our lovely listeners purchase your awesome book it is mostly i think going to be an ebook though we will have some copies i will be taking uh paperback copies to various conventions to sell i think you can also get it on amazon and other ebook either uh ebook and book uh selling establishments so you can get it on amazon is it on is it on the ibooks i think it's on all the ebook platforms yes awesome awesome it should be on all the others. If not, you can send Open Road and Nasty at Nasty. <laughs> open, and and we know where they on. live, so we will. Oh, yes, they're in New York. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you should send it care of. No, just kidding. Um, so, so Soulminder, a week from yesterday, ebook, unless you're lucky enough to visit you at a convention. Let's move on to... Well, I think you can get it on. On Amazon? I think you can also get it. In the... I think so. Okay. We'll, che- we'll fact I check that one. I believe it will be available. I... Yeah, if you would, please. So let's, let's talk about... You lose track of what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Eh, it's, not, it's not easy to keep a hold on all the different services in this day and age. Well, one of the things I mentioned to people at conventions is by the time you get a book that's published and you're reading the book and you want to talk to me about it, I'm one, two, or three books past that. And you might have to remind me specifically of the scene you're talking about because I might be drawing a blank on that. Because I've been elsewhere for two books. So remember those Star Wars books you wrote like decades ago? (laughs) So on page twenty-seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, vaguely I remember. I have them right behind me, so I could get that picky. I actually. <laughs> I had someone do that a, a year or so ago. He came up to me and asked me what a Tarsh Maxer was, <laughs> and I had no idea what a Tarsh Maxer was. It was an outbound flight. Okay, that's a good start. But what is that? Give me the scene. And then he explained it was uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin ordering something at a restaurant. Oh, Tarsh Maxer. Tarsh is a type of sandwich, and Maxer means he supersized it. That's all. Uh, Makes sense. 
but he had to give me this specific scene for me to remember what that throwaway <laughs> term meant. Context is important. He's a teenager. Of course he's going to supersize everything. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Sometimes Does it seem very Jedi-like? Well, he's a growing boy. This is true. They eat a lot. It's true. Yeah, he's a teenager. He's eaten. eaten a lot. Can I go on a complete tangent for two seconds? I've remembered my favorite cosplay of the con. Go for it. So there's this family. Tim has reminded me. There was a family, and the parents were dressed up as Jedi, and they have had three little girls, and they were all dressed up as Padawan. And a woman goes by and goes, Oh, look at the little army of Leia's. And this girl just spins, and she is 100% sass, and she's got her hands on her hips, and she's, we're not Leia. We're Padawan. We're learning to be Jedi. And I died laughing forever. The end. Oh my god, that's adorable. Isn't that the cutest thing ever? That's perfect. That'll that'll teach you. Good parenting. A-plus parenting there. Well, and it, I loved it because these are the parents who are teaching their kids that little girls could be something besides Leia. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Leia's a Jedi, too, though. Yeah. Remember. She is, that's true. Or is she? Eventually. Eventually. You, you have to excuse Zombrian for not having read any of the Star Wars books. I read the Jedi Academy one. When I was go dead. sit in the corner. I'm going to sit in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I, I actually have a question about the extended okay, universe. Um, so I anybody? heard that they in the in the movies uh, I did I'm sorry I didn't catch that. Hello? I think, yeah, I think um, Sarah is now lagging as well. I heard that um, they weren't taking... Can anyone hear me? We can hear you, but I know I, where you're going, I, so so I'm, uh, I'm just going to... I'll type it out, and Kriana will ask it, so there's yeah. not... Sorry about uh, this, guys. Okay. So, uh, I right. think where you're going is the extended universe and Disney and them sort of shelving it wholesale. No, that's not where she was going. I will wait until she finishes typing where she was going and actually present her point in its entirety. Yeah. Okay, then she's... Why don't we talk about that one while she finishes typing? Oh, no, that that is where she was going. I think she was saying no about the lag. I I can tell. Okay. Go ahead, Tim. Okay, here is what I'm getting from the Disney announcement. Near as I can tell, what they are doing is saying we will not be bound by the events, characters, etc. of the 200-plus novels, comics, etc. that have come out in the last 20 years. And that's probably really the only thing they could do. They cannot, there are contradictions, there are characters they might not want to take in that direction. So what they've done is simply said, we're putting all of this stuff in the bottom drawer. However, that does not, it means two things uh, as a consequence, as far as I can tell. First of all, if they don't reference anything that I've done, if they never reference anything that happens in, say, the Thrawn trilogy, I can more or less legitimately say that it probably happened. If they don't contradict it, reference it in some other way. The other thing that that means is that while all of this stuff is now legends and we're not bound by it, there's nothing to keep them from pulling something out of that drawer, putting it on the top shelf, and making it canon again. We've already seen them do this two or three times, or at least three times, in the prequel movies. Coruscant was my name for the Imperial Planet. They, they used that. The uh, double-bladed lightsaber of Darth Maul showed up in one of Kevin J. Anderson's early uh, comic books. And uh, the capturing of Force Lightning on a lightsaber blade was also something I did. 
So we've seen that they will pick and choose stuff that they like. Okay, once, but... If they ref reference draws... Yeah, go ahead. I want Mara Jade. That's the only way I'm watching these movies. The only way. Well, we don't know what they're going to do. How much Mara Jade do you want? If a red-headed woman walks by in the background, are you good with that? No. Kriana <laughs> has opinions. I do have opinions, and okay. God damn it, there aren't that many strong, awesome redheads in science fiction. There are many pinup dolls, but not awesome ones. Hey, hey, I'm on your side, but you're talking to the wrong guy if you want her in there. You need to talk to J.J. Abrams. Oh, or somebody at he already hates me. <laughs> I've had some yeah, choice words. J.J. Abrams is just do? not going to happen. I have some choice words for his previous work. Did you pick on his Star Trek movies? I picked on just about everything he's ever done. Tim, I have a question. I should say that. I have a question about this. They're if very they pretty. do you use something that you came up with, do they tell you? Or do they come to you and say, hey, we're going to use no. this? Or is it a surprise for you, too? In a perfect world, yes, that would be nice. In reality, since they own everything that's been written under the Star Wars label, they don't have to talk to us about anything. I typically have not known when they've used Mara or Thrawn in a video game until somebody plays it and lets me know. So, no, they do not have to say anything to any of us. I have the big advantage of being on the West Coast, which means by the time we are standing in line for that midnight showing of Episode 7, our son in Florida will have seen it already and can call and give a quick <laughs> review. Nice. So uh, we, will, we will know a little bit before we get into the theater, uh, simply by the three-hour time lag. Well, if you so want to talk to uh, Moffat or, or uh, whoever in uh, London, you'll get it even faster. <laughs> well, we'll have to contact our foreign correspondent, Joe, and, and get the lowdown. But uh, this isn't entirely a bad thing, because this means that they can leave books like The Crystal Star well out of everything. That was a terrible book. Yeah, again, they're picking it. They can pick and choose without being bound by anything, and that's that's probably a, you're right. It's a good thing. It's what they had to do. We will just hope that they will have the sense to do you know what is best for Star Wars, Marjorie, and uh, you know bring in only the characters, Marjorie, that will work best for the movie and for the Marjorie universe and uh, the subliminal stuff working on you. <laughs> <sighs> I don't trust them, though. That's that's the main problem that I'm having, is I don't trust them to know what's best for the Star Wars universe. I do not. Well, bottom line is they spent $4 billion of their money to do it, so unfortunately, unless we can outbid them, and I don't think we can, they're the ones... Well, writers make a lot of money, right? I <laughs> know. <laughs> Sorry. Not nearly as much as you might think. Aww. But bear in mind, bear in mind that Disney has a track record of having bought Pixar and Marvel and not screwed them up. That's true. I'll also give you Marvel. Mind, Kennedy, also, bear in mind Kathleen Kennedy is in charge of Lucasfilm, and she has a, a very good track record of good movies all on her own. Ah, and I've just been handed a bulletin. Oh. Uh, open Road site will sell you Soulminder in heart, in paperback hard as well. Okay, e versions are on Amazon, Apple, Barnes and Noble, Google, and Indie Indiebound. Indie Fair enough. Okay, Indiebound and some of them, and um, Amazon and Barnes and Noble will also get you a, a have the uh, paperback hardcover version for sale. Fantastic. Oh, and there's some reviews on Goodreads. Thank you, foreign correspondent. My wife came in from the kitchen. Oh, yay! So... Actually, speaking of Goodreads, is anyone else surprised that Amazon hasn't screwed that up yet? Pleasantly, but yeah. Have they done anything to it? No. I don't think so. 
they've added some ads. Like very, they've added very few ads, but they've added some, and you can now access Goodreads from your Kindle, which I actually love because I can add things like Soulminder to my I want to read this list, and when I'm finished with the book I'm currently reading, it'll say, hey, you want to read Soulminder now? And I'll say yes, because it's now past the 23rd of the month, and it's out, and it's probably awesome. I think we can conclude that it's awesome. We can certainly conclude that it's awesome. Yeah. So, oh, wow, it is is past 9 o'clock already, but very quickly, before we wrap this up, let's quickly touch on manticore yes i am doing for those for your, your uh, listeners who are uh, familiar with uh, david weber's honor harrington universe david and i are launching or have launched a prequel series called manticore ascendant that takes place 400 years before honor harrington herself and deals with the early days of the star kingdom of manticore about the time that the wormhole junction is discovered in the the binary system that launches this sleepy little uh, three-planet star kingdom from obscurity into major political, economic, and military uh, position in the galaxy. That sounds really cool. uh, First book book comes out early November. I actually have some copies because we did a launch party in... uh, uh, at Dragon Con. So I will be carrying those around, and if you don't see me at a convention, you can pick them up starting, I think, October 6th. Speaking of conventions, where can our lovely listeners find you? Okay. I'm going to be at Fencon in a couple of weeks in Dallas, followed by Necronomicon in Tampa. Um, a few weeks later, Rose, uh, Tyler, Texas, and then Raleigh for Honor Con. Uh, further details available on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash timothyzon. And we will put that, that URL up in the blog post that accompanies this podcast so that everyone can just click it instead of trying to decipher our spelling. Okay. So, excellent, excellent. So... Good. If they come and see you, they have a chance, they have a shot at a copy of this cool-sounding book. Now I need to go look up this series, because I've never read it, and I feel like it's going to be really cool. Alright, so Dome says I get to wrap this up. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. On Basilisk Station is the first of the Honor Harrington books. It's the right place to start. And then you can jump right into mine. She's writing it down right now. I am, I am. I'm going to put it in my Goodreads. I'm going to put it in my Goodreads. All right, so I've heard Dome do this closing 247 times before this. I don't quite know what he said, so I'm going to remember to turn on the music, first of all, since that's my normal job. And I'm going to say, thank you, Tim, for being an awesome guest. It has been an absolute joy and honor talking to you tonight. Um, I'd also like to thank... Sir Sarah, the Lady Knight, and Zombrarian and the Dome for joining us this evening. I'd say you can make quippy comments, but you're so lagged out that I'm not going to put you through that. And coming up in the next few weeks, next week we talk to a murder of horror authors, including Dale Phillips, Vlad Vaslin, Ursula Wong, and Stacey Longo about their new anthology, Insanity Tales. And the week after that, at the beginning of October, we're talking to Andy Arnett and Alex Komack about their new graphic novel, Future Proof. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, Rhode Island Comic Con, BooksandBooze.com, and ComicArtHouse.com. Visit ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their grooves on LawrenceMadeMeCry.com. Tonight's intro music provided by Rob Watts, and find more of his creations at RobWattsOnline.com. 
com. And now I just realized I did this in the complete wrong order. But thank you everyone for bearing with us through this technical challenge and we will see you next week. And as always, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased, thus do we all refute entropy. Good night everybody. Good night. There once was a girl from Nantucket. Good night, everybody.